de, de, de Colores Radio. De, de, de Colores Radio. Hi, hello, bienvenidos. Welcome to De Colores Radio. This is episode 94, my birth year, gang gang. It is also the year that Forrest Gump came out. <laughs> I don't know why that always stuck in my head uh, whenever I found out. And then um, that's also the year uh, that Selena won a Grammy for Mexican American Album of the Year, which I don't think exists anymore. However, hello, Mercury is back in reggaeton, and I am hopeful that you're joining us on a beautiful day in 2022 with excitement on your horizon. A new Kendrick album has probably dropped by now, and we will likely review it in the next episode. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. I'm your host, Eva Arreguin, and this is De Colores Radio. The past episode, we were once again truly blessed. We had dope artist Sierra L. Bryant join us for the juice, and then the incredible Nezi Mamadou stopped by as our guest. Y'all see the brilliance that is in Dallas. It is everything. I've been telling y'all this for years, but I'm just so excited and eager that it's still popping. Uh, I love it, and I am so grateful for their stories. I believe Nezi will also be working with Logic soon, which is a pretty big deal. Um, but there's so much good stuff happening, and we, of course, are celebrating our fifth year anniversary. Um, so that means that by the time this is out, hopefully we have announced um, that you can pre-order our five-year anniversary zine. It has artists from throughout the years that we've worked with in our art shows, and it is femme-led, and it is fire, and I'm so excited. So if you want to get your hands on that, please keep uh, your eyes out and open. Uh, this is something we're really excited about and has taken a lot of time to archive five years of creative and intentional work we've done in our rapidly evolving city. So please feel free to go check out our new redone website, decolorisco.com. Let me remind you all where you can support us directly and get this information first. Yes, that is patreon.com slash decolorisco. We've put out a lot of content into the world recently, like a Selena Quintanilla fashion review, because y'all kept asking me for things about our girl. Uh, Pat has playlists like monthly, which are really fire. Y'all know Pat's the musical hipster that makes everybody seem cool because they're put on to things really early. Um, and then I also have my own personal blog, um, which I've been sharing monthly as well. So this is where you can find... Of course, the full raw unedited video version of these episodes right after they drop, starting for as little as $3 a month, you can be a squirrel friend, homie, or ride or die today, which means it's time for Patty. Where you at, Pat? It's time for everyone's favorite, me mood. <laughs> I thought you were gonna call me your squirrel friend. That's what I was waiting no. for. I don't know that. <laughs> I don't know why my like echoing was so. I mean, my my uh, my my words were coming out kind of weird. But we're here now. Mm -hmm. uh, Pat, what's going on? I like your look. Thanks. You know, just having my Frank Ocean moment is what we're calling it. I'm going blonde. Um, Period. It's, it's 
pretty hot here, but I've heard Texas is even hotter. So I don't know how you're staying cool right now. Uh, I was trained in my mother's household where she barely turns on the air. 84 degrees, bro. I will never forget. <laughs> so I have trained. I have trained for this living my whole life. Do I complain? Yes. But I'm still here and I drink a lot of freaking water. Um, it is incredibly hot. And the few times I've gone outside since it became 90 degrees already quickly, um, my energy goes very much quicker downwards so i am kind of being more intentional with that so yes it is very hot well patty i want to give you and our listeners an insight into our personal energy into how we are feeling right now into into the the reality reality of our existence thank you this is what i consider the modern day diary that's right we're translating our feelings in the best way we know how memes it's time for me mood Go, Patty. All right. So I'm sure I'm not the only person that's been playing the new Bad Bunny album nonstop. It's freaking fire. Um, And this TikTok came up for me today. And I was like, you know what? I know we've done multiple iterations of this TikTok. Yes. But it's it's our girl, Cornbread. And I was like, you know what? This is kind of relatable because I feel like all Latinx... And non-Latinx, because uh, Bad Bunny called out Rosalia. I'm trying to be Latinx. Okay, um, wait. Can I say something about that? Sure, why not? Put, I should have put that in the juice, and I did it. And maybe we'll bring it up later. This is the juice in the, in the mean mood. Right. I just think it's funny that Bad Bunny is calling out, like, Spaniards when, like, he is a white Latino. and he's, That appropriates like, black culture. Correct. So I'm just like, baby, what are you doing? Because I know that that's a thing Puerto Ricans yeah struggle they've got, with they've got some identity crisis sorry sorry okay go ahead to unpack but um yeah no anyways the album's really great it talks about like love for puerto rico and like everything about it and like the caribbean in general um and i just so i'm gonna share this video of cornbread cornbread is from like the last Spanish, season like of drag like race like up in his head. so yeah she's reenacting um, our, our favorite video but she, She's like playing with her hair. She's got a dress, green, orange dress on, a gold chain. And I feel like that's what a lot of people are feeling right now, listening to the new Bad Bunny album, is that they think they were Puerto Rican because it's so good. So this is just a recreation of the. Well, J Lo was J Lo. J Lo is on the Puerto Rican. And she sang Motown too, but no. Well, J Lo sang Motown too, but she was on Puerto Rican in that. So yeah, so that was that's my meme mood. Is, I love it. Yeah, it's just we're just gonna keep using that that meme forever. It it is uh, definitely a recreation of the meme mood I had like two weeks ago, two episodes ago, which is the original was by T. S. Madison. Um, Cornbread obviously nailed it. She was Miss Congeniality of the last season of Drag Race. No, I hope she comes back as in an All Stars because she really was my favorite, and I really wanted she, her to play the whole show. Yeah, she already announced that she would not. Um, which I think is, yeah, she said that like right away. (laughs) So hate to break it to you unless maybe they give her the right amount of money. She will not be joining. Um, But anyways, I also have a little, um, I guess, drag race me mood today. 
I love Twitter.com. I say this all the time. It's my favorite place. I just <laughs> save a bunch of memes all the time. Same. Um, and this is just an image of one of my favorite queens of the last couple of seasons, which is Candy Muse, um, who a lot of people apparently did not like. And I was a little bit shocked. <laughs> but maybe it's because I identify with her. So I felt hurt because I understand where she's coming from. She is very much your... Um, hood diva and she tells it like it is and very is very direct um, and it's just a face of confusion but still glam <laughs> and I feel that very much so she knows how to give a look and so yes do you, so I think that's maybe what it is and you know when Mercury is in reggaeton you don't really know what's gonna happen so you're just rolling with the punches and that's where I'm at right now yeah well, we've got our mean moods for today, so I can now officially welcome this week's Juice co-host, someone I believe you all already know and love, uh, our podcast padrino, uh, I often call him my husband or my father, <laughs> I have identity crisis as well, and he's also one of my best friends. Someone I had the great privilege of meeting through this beautiful Latinx podcast world. The one and only, a founder of the Association of Retired Podcasters. <laughs> what and artist extraordinaire, Justin Favela, will be jumping on here shortly to help with the juice. And then we're bringing, bringing in a dear friend, a brilliant soul I've gotten to know better through the years. One of my favorite storytellers. And fierce advocate Stephanie Drinka will be joining us a bit later. Woo! So it's going to be a great time, and I'm very excited to get into it. So let's go. This is El Juguito, the juice, where we discuss the latest gossip on pop culture, politics, news, and more. Please welcome back to the Colores Radio, Justin Favela, a.k.a. Favi Fav. Hello, Hi. hello, hello, it is. Nah. <laughs> what if we just start cry. sobbing? Screaming, crying, growing up. Yeah, no, literally. Hi, how oh, are you? Oh, wow. Look at this podcasting in the 21st century. Wow. <laughs> you can see all my pores. This is great. All the pores. No pores. What do you mean? You're flawless. I know. Hi, Dad. Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. What an honor to be. Uh, you know, on one of the best Latinx mm -hmm. podcasts in Texas. Not in um, Texas, girl. Give us the world. <laughs> no, it's like, damn. Period, yeah, period. I'm like, we know we're the best in Texas, but the world is what we're feeling nowadays. I know, but when I think of Texas, I think of y'all because you were my first, like, you know, real friends there. We just met uh, and immediately kind of became. Well, it took Eva a minute to warm up, but <laughs> we became... Y'all had, had, had to share a taco together. You know, it's because yeah. I think our energies match. And sometimes when energies match, you got to like, like kind of suss them out a little. You're like, hmm, who is she? Is she just a famous podcaster? Me to you. <laughs> and then I think we fell in love officially at Podcasterio and we just could not stop from that point on. Yeah. Y'all acted was, like a married couple by then already. We did. Yeah, and honestly, I think Eva and I really bonded during the pandemic because we were we trauma we bonded. Were, <laughs> we trauma bonded. We would FaceTime 
Every all day long and pat you were there for some of it too yes. <laughs> and so i just want to officially thank you both for helping me get through Aww. this that first honestly that first year i feel like we were on yeah. Yeah, no, every y'all day came, y'all came to visit and we came to visit y'all yeah i it, know it was what beautiful. that was a whole ordeal because we're like okay everybody put on a mask Nobody get out of the car. We got to stop in Lubbock or wherever the fuck we had to stop. Oh, my gosh. And y'all did it. Salute to y'all. Because you had a show at the Amen Carter at that time. And we were supposed supposed to do a whole fiesta with you there, I think. And, like, we had a whole plan to do a live podcast. There was so much that was going to happen in 2020. And, you know, I think we were already really close prior to 2020. But I think 2020 definitely um connected us a little bit further and then it's just been really beautiful to um you know watch your growth even as just a friend outside of podcasting because I think um something that's really amazing and and maybe we'll have to talk about this in a different format another day but it's like the world of podcasting in general I really know and believe I think you know as well that you were one of the pioneers especially for Latinx folks Um, And it made such a huge impact. And I think I told you the other day um, is that people I still like have never met before will come up to me and be like, oh, I heard about you through Latinos who lunch. And it's like, that's the main recommendation um, that I hear. I don't know if Pat can say the same. Oh, most definitely. I had somebody the other day that like came up to me here in New Mexico and was like, oh, yeah, I heard of y'all from Latinos who lunch. And I was like, Y'all's impact yeah, is, your power. is universal for sure. And I know like we'll always be appreciative of what y'all gave and like for being our friends and like being there. For sure. So anyways, it really, I did not write that in the script, honey. That was real. Um, but <laughs> I definitely, I think we told you that during when we recorded your original interview a few years back. Um, but I still think it rings true, right? Because everybody, anytime I post you or I'm with you, people are like, Oh, I miss him, man. I miss him. And I think y'all's impact was huge. And so I, I definitely want to also give you your flowers here if I can. And then of course we can get into these messy things, but, um, do you want to jump into the mess or do you want to, uh, talk a little bit about what you've been up to? Well, I, I, I mean, I do, I just appreciate you saying that. Cause you know, we, I mean, it's been a year since we've done Latinos for lunch and we still are hearing people talk about it and, right. I think when we were in the moment, we didn't realize like that it was, it, I, no, we did realize that it was a, a movement, but we didn't realize the impact, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's been interesting not having Latinos for lunch for a whole year because it was a way for me to, to, to just kind of vent and, you know, um, just talk about pop culture and identity and and uh it was a really big help when it came to me when i when when i had to do any kind of public speaking gig because i was just used to doing it every day every week right. you know and so <laughs> i do i helps. really i really do miss it and um i think that i've had time now to kind of recharge and um you know you haven't seen the last of me. That's all I got. What does that so. mean? <laughs> me crying, shaking, and throwing up again. Yeah. Again. Well, Justin, we're glad to have you here, and we're we're blessed and grateful to call you a friend. Um, but we do have you here for the juice. So we have a couple topics. A lot right. of the news this week was really tragic, and we're trying not to lean into the tragedy as much as we used to. Obviously, it's hard to ignore because. 
we are living under white supremacy and it's wrath is very extreme. Um, but there were a couple of things we wanted to discuss a couple of, one of them, you're going to be like, girl, I don't know sh- about this, but, and that's okay. <laughs> um, but the first thing I definitely wanted to at least mention is, um, I guess it happened a few days ago that we apparently heard about a draft coming from the Supreme court, um, just banning abortion, like overall overthrowing Roe v. Wade, um, which felt like a joke. Um, and then it just kept getting worse (laughs) and it like keeps getting worse. And now they're even saying in certain States that they want to ban condoms, that they want to ban IUDs. And it really feels surreal. Like we're in some kind of dystopia and it's felt like that already for the past several years. But now I'm just like, Oh, it's getting, it's getting worse. Um, and so apparently in the day we're recording this, obviously is not the day that most people will be hearing it. So maybe there will be further updates by the time this comes out. Um, however, today the Senate failed to pass, um, something protect a law protecting it again. So that includes democratic leaders, which is why I do not consider myself democratic anymore or Democrat, I guess, specifically. Um, but yeah, so it's just, it's, it's one of those things that I'm like, it has affected and impacted my life since I was a young child that I almost just ignore it and want to joke about it because it's just, um, too real perhaps. Mm. Um, and I know we've talked about it before. I know it's been, it started a lot of this work started, not work, but a lot of this like uprising on their end started in Texas, you know, so we were already feeling it. And then other other states were like, oh, at least we're not Texas. Ha ha ha. And now I'm like, look at (laughs) y'all, because this is um, it's bigger than Texas. Texas just tends to start these horrible trends. So um, I don't know if you have any thoughts on this, Justin, but it is really unfortunate and frustrating and heartbreaking and everything bad in the world. I mean, it just feels like we're taking, you know, 20 steps back in history Right. right now. It's right. wild. And yeah, and it, and it's all, I mean, you listen to this podcast, people that are listening. So you, it's like we're preaching to the choir, right? Right. It's like you already are this, on the same side. <laughs> yeah, you're already on the same side. But it just goes to show you how like how deep seated white supremacy is mm-hmm. in this country, because, you know, this is banning abortion or making it illegal to get to get a safe abortion. But right. like you've heard many people say, like, this doesn't mean that all the rich white, white, white women that 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 want to end their pregnancies, they, they'll still have access Absolutely. to abortion. Absolutely. All of the politicians, uh, you know, family members, that mistresses. Need an abortion, mistresses, they will get abortions. Right. right. So it's it's really you know, it's really, it's capitalism right now, realizing that, you know, we've had a long time shut in our houses for the past two or three years. Uh, People are realizing how horrible capitalism is. And in order for capitalism to work, we need the poor to keep getting poorer, right? Right. And more unwanted, you know, more, you know, I don't want to sound so harsh, but it's like, giving the people get, hindering people from being able to make choices about their body uh, is, is a way to, you know, is, is a way to continue that. Right? right. And, Oh, it's just, 
and it, and it, and it goes into religion and it, and it goes into, you know, identity politics, all these different things that are all kind of just jumbled up just to keep, you know, keep white people in power, keep rich right. white people in power. Right. No, I definitely agree. Yeah. And I know I've told a little bit about my experience in a fairly recent episode late last year. I believe it was our episode with Christian Cruz and Rosie. If Pat can tell me what number that was, I don't remember. Um, but I, you know, I share a bit about my story because I did come from a very Catholic upbringing and I protested outside of an abortion clinic in eighth grade and we had to go because we were being graded. Right. And so like, it is something that is very like sensitive for me. And at the same time, it's very clear that it is deeply connected to patriarchy and which is why, you know, we have to, we have to fight for our rights for our body. And I want to make note to everyone because I have seen a lot of, um, shares about like protecting women's bodies and it's like it's not just women right yeah um, we have to be a lot yeah. more intentional about it being people with uteruses um, yeah period trans folks period. right mm -hmm. so i want to be a lot more intentional with that wording as well because it's very easy and i feel like it's very like white feminist to be like it's women's bodies and it's mm -hmm. like nope it's not just women right um however it is us all against the patriarchy in general so Pat, did yeah. you want to add something? I was just going to say it's episode 84 that you talked about. Perfect. Thank you. About so it. 10 episodes ago, because numerology is also a thing, I shared my experience yeah. with, um, you know, what these scary laws mean to people like us, um, especially being, you know, uh, people of color in states that already don't care about us. So um, hopefully I would love to see some politicians do something radical. I don't know that it's going to happen because we don't see much of that in general. Um, however, there are more cases. This is another case I think, um, that I'm bringing up and I'm shifting gears. Um, I don't know, Justin, do you know who Young Thug is? Um, I've heard the name before, but <laughs> if you showed me a photo, I would probably have no idea. Um, I, yeah. So <laughs> I appreciate your honesty. I didn't, I knew this was not your area of expertise, but I couldn't yeah. ignore this topic specifically. Okay. Who is young thug? He is okay. a rapper. I know that he is from um, Atlanta and he is, uh, kind of had a pretty big movement in the last like 10 years. I think it was like right after I graduated from high school that, uh, he kind of started blowing up a little bit more. Um, he's had some like big moments. He also like was one of these rappers that wore like a purple dress on an album cover. And that was a big deal. Cause they were like, Oh, wow. Um, anyway, yeah. Yes. So uh, the reason I bring this up is again, <sighs> it does. It is unfortunate how white supremacy seeps into everything, but what we see happening a lot right now is that, uh, the feds are, preying on rappers specifically black rappers to then put them in the criminal system or further put them in the criminal system possibly um simply because they are like putting a uh what is what am i trying to say the microscopic lens on them and then they end up using their lyrics in court to then send them to prison um so apparently there was a huge raid of his whole like quote unquote gang um because they've apparently been tied to many murders in atlanta um 
And I think it's very interesting because apparently they've known about this for almost 10 years, right? Almost his entire career. Um, but recently a cop was killed. And so apparently now all of a sudden they have to um, put a RICO charge on him, which is like racketeering, which was started apparently from when the mafias were in existence. Um, so it, it is to me, it is very unfortunate because you don't see lyrics being used against artists in any other genre. Um, but you know, now you're seeing people like Young Thug, Gunna, and their whole crew being affected by this charge. Um, and of course, it is to protect someone. To me, it seems like, oh, if it's in a reaction to a cop being murdered, now, now y'all want to get them, um, which is, again, protecting white supremacy, which is really unfortunate. So it is a very serious case that's happening. Um, and it's very sad for hip hop. So I definitely just wanted to call attention to that because it's kind of been everywhere yeah i mean i don't know the details and i don't know you know what young thug actually uh, young thug actually did <laughs> <laughs> not you sounding like a boomer i am bitch i don't know nobody anymore okay <laughs> i'm over here still listening to like <laughs> nelly furtado i'm like aretha franklin i know you girl <laughs> don't franklin. play when you had I your aretha playing in the shower <laughs> Oh God. Okay. Sorry, I'm uh, moving on. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I, but 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 I I do I do think it's interesting because I have noticed that, you know, the court system, the legal system, doesn't see rap or hip hop as art. You know, like mm. they do with any other genre, right. which nobody's gonna nobody's gonna take like a Merle Haggard or like I'm Kenny good. Rogers song. You know that Kenny Rogers song where he's. He's like a vet from a war that doesn't have legs, and he's sh he shoots his he shoots his wife because she steps out on him. Like Girl, nobody, I do not know that song. I'm gonna be honest. Oh, it's a great you. song. It's called <laughs> "Ruby, Don't Take Your Love to Town." But <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm a Kenny Rogers stan. Okay. Okay, Anybody I that... didn't know this. I love learning. Oh, girl, it's before your time. But he used to have it chicken is. restaurants, rotisserie chicken restaurants. And they had the best macaroni and cheese. And Wait, so I became. So they sold chickens? It was Kenny Rogers Roasters, okay? And, and they would, it was like you would walk in and the chickens would be like rotating behind the counter. Like, Thanksgiving Sam's Club. It was amazing. And I was a fan of the macaroni before I was a fan of Kenny Rogers. I said, okay, <laughs> Kenny's got something going Fat on. Fat kid here, props. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway. They don't exist anymore, but but peace, it's like you don't see country western stars no being being you know their lyrics being analyzed like this, uh, and and you know arresting rap stars for carrying marijuana like how many times has Willie Nelson been pulled over, you know Hello. like literally I know so it's it's definitely very racist you know no listen um, and something yeah. that's interesting I don't know if you're watching a lot of TV shows right now. But I recently was watching one called The Dropout with Amanda Seyfried. And then another one oh, yeah. was called Candy with Jessica Biel. That one takes place, quote unquote, here in Dallas. I think it's really a, a true story from here. But these are like white women who are incredibly violent and harmful. And then they get whole TV shows. So I'm like, how the hell are all these like white scammer murderer people getting TV shows that then glamorize their life? And anybody yeah. else is getting put in prison. 
And I just, it's just exhausting because I'm watching the shows. I'm not watching all of them because I can only handle so much white media, but I'm just like, what the <laughs> hell? Like it's, it is just mind blowing that we are glamorizing these folks and they get a Netflix series an HBO doc and then the Hulu series. And I'm like, really? That's what y'all get. And we're crying for representation in media. And then our shows get canceled every damn 10 minutes. Yeah. <sighs> Anyways, I I'm not even the biggest thug fan, but I know that situation is fucked up. So I'm sending my uh my hopes and prayers to the to the slime gang, as he calls himself. Um, and uh, I know that that shit is definitely unfortunate and and crooked. So it's very very sad to see. And I hope that the world starts to, especially because hip hop is considered the number mm. one genre in the world now. I hope that it's able to fight back in a way that, um, you know, transforms culture in a way that's beneficial to the black folks creating the art. Um, So in other art news, very Caucasian art news, um, I thought this was hilarious um, or just wild, perhaps, because apparently... Andy Warhol's Marilyn piece, which we've all seen, you know, we've seen the Campbell's soup, we've seen the Marilyn's, like there's the iconic Andy pieces. So the Marilyn piece recently sold at an auction, making it the most expensive American art piece in the world for $195 million. Yikes. <laughs> Isn't wow. that wild? That's amazing. Yeah, so that is a I think the second most expensive piece in the world behind like Da Vinci or some other shit. Sorry, that is not my uh I forgot. I I should have a I can probably look in this article. But yeah, so that is now the second most expensive piece of art in the world and it is a uh white queer artist that some people actually hate for being exploitative as well. Oh yeah, he was the exploiter of exploiters and <laughs> One of these artists that I don't think enough people talk about, like he just kind of played aloof and like stupid, like he didn't know what he was doing. You know, like he had kind of had this like right. goofy persona sometimes. Right. And also sometimes he he like he played the role of a genius artist, you know, mm. like and he was really playing everybody. So, you know, hats off to that. I think that right. I think that I still have amazing. some love for him because I definitely was a fan, yeah. but I'm just like seeing some artists we just spoke about literally being sent to prison possibly for life and then like yeah. Andy Warhol's legacy is your is the most expensive in the world Andy Warhol consent he didn't know her okay Girl. not at all <laughs> so yeah, I... he's very problematic in that sense but um you know a queer white artist being celebrated uh cool I'm just like, well, who who gets, think about like who gets that money. That's the thing with the art world is like, it's where scams live. Like right. art, the art world is, talk about racketeering, okay, uh, young thug. The art world is where it's at, okay. Um, and oh you see the God. most successful rappers are also into the art game because it's they a really are. great way to kind of, you know, get into hide it. your money. Yeah, yeah. that's what's so, happening with Jay-Z, I believe. But it's a very interesting market because it's it's like it's kind of like hip hop. It's like about clout a lot of times, and it's about <laughs> like what you represent and like mm. the people you move with. The same way in the art world, and how it's you like, move, 
and how you move and yeah. your art is actually worth more money if your personality is uh you know is kind of um infamous you know mm. and andy warhol is definitely one of those people you know he had that netflix documentary that just came out i haven't watched it yet mm, but i, I think it either. kind of sh shines a new light on uh that people didn't really know about warhol uh which is very interesting and um but yeah i mean his work is very inspiring to me i'm actually growing my hair out right now because i got to visit the warhol last year and I got mm. to see his his wig collection. Uh, girl, so, I have never heard this come out of your mouth. <laughs> really? You don't know? Oh, yeah. I got the to wig collection wig being inspiring to you? I did not know this. He had the raggediest wigs. They're amazing. That is, right. And I do so, know that part for sure. Yeah. He had he has like over 30 wigs in the collection there. Wow. And, uh, um, I want to make a wig of my own hair. So, uh, As an art piece take... or just a personal thing? As a sculpture, you know. Okay, a, this sounds exciting. Piece. I'm yeah. into it. Well, uh, I definitely didn't know about <laughs> the new Warhol documentary. I yeah. do have a sweet spot for him. I think if you were like a like artsy queer weirdo at any point in your life, you definitely, because he's one of the more infamous names. Like, I remember when I was younger and I was really into him. I don't know if Pat remembers this, but there was a Betsy Johnson collab collection at Ross. And like, let me tell you, the Mexican girlies were buying it right up because it was $15 at Ross. And it had like, they had a whole collab of Andy Warhol's, um, that series. I think it had Marilyn, it had the Campbell soups, it had the dollar signs. Anyways, we had an Andy Warhol moment, but it is really interesting because then at that point, um, I think now we're really seeing an interesting boom in art, um, fine art specifically, because I think a lot with access to the internet, perhaps people are a lot more interested in it. Um, I do have a quick question I did not write down, but I'm curious your thoughts on NFTs. I think they're dying personally. Girl, I'm not, I don't know. I don't really, I'm not friends with a lot of fuck boys, so I don't really know what they are. <laughs> Um, you know, I have a couple cousins that are, so they Girl, try to explain it to oh me. Girl, oh my God, I um, do that. <laughs> and I know that there's a blockchain. Um, oh my and God. I imagine like a bunch of Tupperwares kind of like falling in this place, like Diagon Alley bricks. like Diagon and, Alley. And, uh, you know, um, I don't know. I don't know anything about that. Okay. I, and it's already, I feel like by the time I found out what it was and like people were telling me to kind of invest in that, or right. be a part of the movement it was like too late no it's literally dying and we spoke about it like maybe five episodes ago yeah. and it's kind of funny to see because i knew it was gonna die but i was curious because everybody was like this is art i'm like okay sure yeah buddy. i think it is I, I think it is i'm not a snob when it comes to like what is art what is not i think it's cool that there's different ways but it's like who are the gatekeepers of this art form and what is it doing to the environment you know it, all that yes, stuff right. And sure. who is, who are the people profiting from this? You know, it's like, it's the same shit, you know, it's like the whole Bitcoin thing. I can't wait to see what's next, actually. Oh, Lord. I mean, it is kind of interesting when you're not involved to just watch and laugh. So I definitely yeah. agree there. Um, well, I, this brings us to our final juice topic. And then we can touch base a little bit more on what you've been up to um, before we have to jump into our, our interview. Um, drag race of mm. the RuPaul's yes this last season that just ended took so long I didn't care anymore 
<gasps> I'm I'm I've never felt like that with a season, but Homophobic, I am. Transphobic. <laughs> don't you dare! Don't you dare! Um, however, I am really excited for the All Star season. So, uh, what are your yeah. thoughts? I do love, obviously, spoilers. If you haven't seen the last season of RuPaul, we're probably gonna spoil it. Um, but I do love Willow Pill. I love seeing her shine. I love how she embraces darkness and brightness in her humor. Um, but yeah, I think it would just, it felt like it dragged on. So I was just like ready for it to go. <laughs> I didn't mind that it was so long. I just, did, I just didn't like that. Georges didn't have the satisfaction of sending somebody home because mm. she lip sank so much and won, but she never got to send anybody home. Interesting. Remember? Like, yeah, did, I guess she, I didn't think of it like that. Cause she beat Jasmine I mean, yeah. she tied with Jasmine, uh-huh. and then she did the lip syncathon or whatever, and oh, beat like all those girls. Yeah, and then, um, and then Bosco had the chocolate bar. I hated that or moment. the gold bar. I hated that moment. I didn't I want Bosco to have the chocolate. I was, I was just like, why? Why did we give it to Bosco? I thought really? that chocolate thing was so lame. Like, obviously, they were like saving it for cornbread, and then cornbread. And cornbread didn't make it to the end. And speaking of cornbread, like Willow Pill, this is why Willow Pill is different. Right. Because Willow She's Pill honest. knows, she knows her privilege. She yeah. knows that if cornbread yeah. was in the competition, she would have lost. Yeah. She what did she say? Said, Thank you to cornbread's ankle. Ankle, because it broke and she got disqualified from the competition. Yeah. Yeah. No, that oh, was, that was that's great. my favorite kind of white people is the ones that yeah. are self-aware that, and know no. exactly, exactly their privilege. Yeah. I'm really excited about All Stars because I like pretty much all the queens except for Trinity. <laughs> so You know what? Um, I used what? to not like Trinity, but she's grown on me. I, I yeah. watched the season uh, of All-Stars with, not All-Stars. Wait, was it All-Stars? It was All-Stars with All Monet. Yeah, yeah, where they both tied. And yeah. then I was watching some interviews with Trinity. And I was like, I think I like Trinity. I think she's grown on me. Because they called her like the drag queen's drag queen. And I was like, you know what? I see it because she's very talented. She gives looks. Sometimes she is a little bit like a prissy white woman. And that is annoying. Yeah. But I think she's starting to become more aware as of late. And so I think I can, I think I, she's a fun, she's a funny lady. So she's growing on she's, me. She's definitely growing. Uh, but uh, if you, if you dig a little, if you dig oh, a little. Oh no, does it, she have yeah. some like serious thing? I don't know. Oh God. <laughs> I'll just say this. Y'all Google Trinity. No! Uh, she devil by night. What the uh, hell is that? And you'll find some fun Reddit stuff. No. Oh, yeah anyway give me a hint? i can't not know this you know now. she was like pretending to be a black trans woman because she <gasps> well, was well never um, mind because she, because she was called out for being transphobic making some transphobic comments it's a whole thing and See, so she, i usually she... just watch the show and i don't dig into their lives <laughs> and this is oh my god never it's i my... take back what i said but i hope she has no. grown because i feel like someone like eureka was also very problematic but you've seen her her growth yeah i mean this is all alleged and uh that is a lot but i know you're in tune with the drag race t t t i mean honestly it's my sports like that's (laughs) i know i follow i watch so many youtube recap shows oh my gosh 
Um, so yeah, All Star is gonna be. I'm really excited about like the older queens, like Jinx Raja. and Raja. Yeah, just to see what they what they're gonna bring to the table is gonna be so cool. And um, but I mean, stunning, stunning queens. Shea Coulee. Shea Coulee. Uh, I've been obsessed Jada. with her since the beginning, and I just am so glad she's coming back again. Jada Essence Hall is. I, I feel like she didn't really get her shine. So she didn't. I feel I'm, the same I'm way. I'm happy she's there. Look up and Monet. There. I mean, yeah, and Monet. There's all of them. Monet. I, I subscribe to Sibling Rivalry. Her and Bob's podcast. I'm part Cute. of their, you know, family or whatever the hell. So it's come on, family. It's exciting. But what's really lit right now? Um, do you like I'm using terminology from five years ago? Uh, is <laughs> are you a young millennial? Uh, I'm an elder millennial girl. Yeah, you Look are. We know. You didn't know Young Thug and you talked about Kenny Rogers for three minutes, but go ahead. See, because I, I know about the legends, okay? I don't know about <laughs> many young people. Okay, so um, I just found out that, like, I seriously thought, like, Dua Lipa, uh, something, Cabello, whatever. That they're different uh, people. There's, like, four four singers that I thought were the same person. <laughs> And I just realized they're not. No, I can't blame you for that one. <laughs> TBH. But Dua Lipa stands out amongst the others. Because oh, some of the yeah. other ones are kind of... Uh, probably Billie Eilish maybe was in there for you. Or Olivia yeah, Rodrigo. Uh, Billie Eilish, our Latina queen. Yes. No. <laughs> um, we love her. Her and Rosalia making the top of the Latin charts on uh, Spotify. I love that. Lord. Um, Isn't but that... speaking so- of... Justin, isn't that something though? You're one of the few white Latinos I can really talk to about white Latinoness with that doesn't get offended. Because do you know how many oh, people no. still try me and get so hurt and they literally have blue eyes and white skin? And I'm like, what do you want me to do for you? Because we don't live the same life. It's because they haven't had that moment, that self-realization yet. Like, oh my God, I'm white. I had that a Are long they time gonna ago. have it? If it's if I mean if they know you and it's 2022, it might be too late for them, you know. Yeah, because I'm not here to give it to them. I'm not here to fix it unless maybe they pay me and then I can help them. But it is very exhausting because it's like still a battle of like who's more Mexican, and I'm like I don't care. I simply do not care. Like it is not paying my bills to be a brown Mexican girl. I'm sorry. Yeah. (laughs) But anyways. What was your if final you... thought before we have to close the juice? <laughs> oh, I got to say that I really love, speaking of the colonizers, I really love Drag God. Race España this season. If you're <laughs> not watching, if you're not watching Drag Race España season three, you're not a Drag Race fan. It's I need to really watch good. it. I need to watch it. It's, I'm, I uh, am a fan. I love that the judges like actually care about the contestants. It's very playful. Mm. um i think they all sleep in the same house like they don't have a hotel for them oh, i think they actually that sleep another in the same dynamic house. so everybody's like very comfortable with each other Giving like real world which is the opposite of drag race us where they have to like not talk to each other until they're on set and you can't know? eat and they drive yeah separately. yeah but um i literally was watching uh catching up on drag race Spina yesterday and like weeping like well i was also really high but anyway it, you're uh, also a cancer, cancer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh my uh, god it's really it's really good and it's it's uh you know rupaul only lets the camera shoot him from one angle 
Um, and I you never ever noticed, noticed that. See, you know, all yeah, the things. So, so on this show, it's very dynamic. The set is very dynamic because the camera can actually move around. And it's like, not the room. It's a beautiful so y'all set. Y'all can shoot me from all angles. We're not Rue. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, exactly. Damn. But anyway. Well, uh, I love you. What are you up to next? And where can we oh, find Lord. and follow your work? Um, well, what's next? Um, if anybody's listening from Northwest Arkansas, uh, I will be there a lot Shout starting in June. Arkansas. Shout out to Bentonville, Rogers, Springdale, Annie Rogers. Fayetteville. Um, wow, that's a lot of be, Arkansas. Yeah, I I am going to be there as part of Live in America. Uh, mm. It's br- it's a brand new. It's the it's the first year of the festival. Um, there's going to be a Vegas portion of uh, of the festival. It's taking different cities, different places around the United States that aren't really known for like new genres, performance art, and we're going to celebrate wow. those communities. I think my weekend that, that Vegas is there, there's going to be uh, New Orleans, representation from New Orleans, from Detroit, Damn. Uh, from uh, people from Northwest Arkansas, Austin, Texas. It's going to be Period. awesome. And then the next weekend, uh, the second weekend in June, um, I think there's going to be some, uh, uh, some, some, some uh activations i don't like to use that word uh cut that out uh i like some (laughs) (laughs) shout out our tech producer that's for you no no you don't you don't have to cut it out (laughs) but some events hosted by people from new mexico the albuquerque area shout out to pat Pat. um, (laughs) the one albuquerque and i know (laughs) yeah and places like uh puerto rico el paso juarez it's it's gonna be cool yeah that's amazing yeah, so that's what I'm up to, and I am going to actually be living in Arkansas starting in the fall, part time. So what? The... Any... You're a southern yeah. queen. So if there's any listeners out there that are from any of the cities that I mentioned, reach out because I will need brown friends. <laughs> please, <laughs> you do look for them all over the world that you go. Yeah, I'm like, please, please. Yeah, I'm just gonna hang out at the panaderia all day. You just, just, just wait for somebody to walk in looking like a yeah, <laughs> like a mouse waiting for cheese. Judge them by the yeah. judge them by the pan dulce they eat. They're like, like conchas, mm, maranito. Mm. Yep. No, maranitos lit. No, they are good. They are good. Yeah. I'm a I'm an oreja girl, but um. <laughs> Okay. You know, I told Pat the other day, I don't know how it came up. I think it's because there was an episode of Atlanta where they were eating Nando's. And I remember the first time I ever went was when you and I were in D.C. And uh, we were crossing the street to go to Nando's. Oh, <laughs> Do you remember this story? Yeah. We're crossing the street. It's a busy intersection in Washington, D.C. We had already walked 15 miles that day. So I was like, <gasps> and then we crossed the street and someone goes, Fobby Fob? And he's like, oh, yeah, that's me. Hey, come on, Eva. And he's like rushing through traffic. And this man goes, I love Latinos who lunch. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, me too. Love you. Bye. And I was like, girl, what the hell was that? And I was like in shock because I was like, that just happened to you in passing traffic. And you're like, yeah, it happens all the time. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, damn, that must be what it's like to have the biggest Latino independent podcast in the world. Because it was 
so funny to me. And we were in the restaurant and you were just happily eating your chicken. And I was like, girl, what just happened? Do you? And it did not phase you at all. And so it just made me love you more. But I thought it was a very funny moment. I mean, we were in the intersect. I would have stopped if it was more. No, it was the intersection. So you literally (laughs) could not stop, which is why it made it that much funnier. Because like we were low-key afraid for our life because it was a busy intersection. But like it was so casual. And you were like, see you later. Bye. And I was like, okay. That just happened. <laughs> there was a moment where that would happen a lot. It was really fun. Yeah. Well, just walk the streets and get recognized. Also, I wear. I'm a fucking. You were, you're in costume, so. Andy Warhol. Yeah, yeah, you got your damn red sweater I and know. your. Shout skeleton. out to Andy for the inspo. <laughs> <laughs> we're getting a new wig. All right. Well, where can we find and follow your work? inches. <laughs> Bundles. Um, where do we follow you at Favi Fav? Yeah, Fabi Fav on all social media platforms. Um, yeah, Instagram, <laughs> um, Twitter, uh, Parlor, you know, anywhere. Girl, what is Parlor? <laughs> I know you ain't doing that before my time, too. Kenny Rogers. No, I'm just playing. All right. Um, yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. Love you, Dad. That wraps it up for us here at The Juice, and we'll take a little break. Hey everyone, it's Eva here with De Colores Radio and I wanted to do my own little promo for a company I really enjoy and believe in. I am an ambassador, so I am not biased, but it is actually my favorite Mexican candy in the game right now. It is DFW Texas based and it ships nationwide. That is Que Pica Candy. I am a literal sucker for the Que Pica Gushers and their rim dip. They satisfy that little sour, spicy, sweet craving, and it's got just the right amount of everything. I absolutely love their products, and I hope that you all use my coupon code EVA15 at checkout for a little discount, and I promise you won't regret it. Check it out at GetPicaCandy.com and follow them at GetPicaCandy. Super fast shipping. So good. Check it out today. Thanks. Bye. Hello. This is our commercial break where I am here to encourage you to subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash decoloresco. You can also donate to us at decoloresradio.com slash donate. We've been doing all this amazing work for over four years. We deeply need your support and your help. You can get all the exciting BTS videos, all the cringy moments in between each segment on our patreon so subscribe today thanks welcome back stephanie drinka is a korean adoptee writer and co-founder of the dallas asian american historical society whose mission is to research preserve and amplify the legacy of asian americans in the dallas area stephanie previously served as communications director for the dallas truth racial healing and transformation organization she also founded visible magazine an online publication actively privileging the work of those whose voices have been historically excluded from traditional media outlets please welcome to the colores radio the wonderful stephanie drinka hello hi friend how are you oh thanks for the little yes yeah. <laughs> listen we want to make everyone feel special that comes by Love it. all right so i'm gonna jump right in because we 
Um, definitely want to get as much of your story. And I have had the privilege of knowing you for about the last five years, I would say. Um, we did meet at a uh, local nonprofit we both worked at. And then we both left the nonprofit and then we kind of found each other. We, we never left each other at that point on. I think with the internet, you stay connected to folks. Um, but then you were doing a lot of amazing work at Dallas TRHT, which I'm on the city steering committee for. So we often saw each other in that space as well. Um, but it's really, it's always an honor for me to have um, people that I call friends, you know, be interviewed by me because I do feel like it's very personal and I just get excited to um, be trusted with your story. So um, we are excited to have you here. Um, so I'm going to jump right into it because I know I've followed your work for a while and a lot of your personal work and, and you even mentioned it in your bio has to deal with your adoption. Um, I do usually begin our interviews kind of asking about people's early life. So I am wondering then because so much of your current adult work um, deals directly with your youth. What is that experience like for you? Because I know it must be um, very, very, you know, sensitive. So a lot of things that happened in my younger years, I didn't process or acknowledge mm. what was happening, why I was feeling the way I was feeling or how I was being treated. And then it right. started to show up and resurface and like echoes of those early traumas resurfaced in adulthood. And so a lot of the wow. work I do now is very tied oh, to no. what happened to me. Um, but I took a really windy path to get here because I didn't have the knowledge and the capacity to understand it at the time. Uh, so I grew up in South Lake, Texas. Mm. And so I was there from fifth grade through high school graduation. I lived in Marietta, Georgia, um, prior to oh, that okay. wow. and in Chicago when I was until I was two where my parents grew up so growing up in mm -hmm. South Lake I was the only one I was the only Asian there was there was a I'm I'm there were actually three other Asians in my, wow. in my graduating class of 500 plus um, wow. but I was you know used to feeling like I was the only one I was typically the only one in each class that I was in I was the only one in choir I was the only one in theater mm. and then I was the only Asian American in my family when I went home right and so I, I grew up without any racial mirrors without any sense of belonging without mm. any knowledge of my history and my origin story besides a small paragraph from my adoption agency because I was only three years old so I grew whenever up that happened yeah. So I grew up feeling like I was an outcast everywhere. Uh, mm. And then I went to college and I started hanging out with other Asian Americans. And then I felt like an outcast because I don't speak the language. I don't wow. know the culture. I don't know the traditions. And I'm constantly floating in between these two worlds. And right. um, so a lot of what I do now is to not only share my personal story, but highlight and amplify other people's stories because I know what it's like to feel like you're the only one and to mm. have had a chance to know that somebody else was experiencing something similar and affirm that and validate my experiences would have been a game changer. Right. Um, thank you for sharing all of that. I know that, you know, I've, I, it's been interesting because when I first met you, I think you were doing more like, like, is, was it, would it, would you consider it influencer type of um, work, but it was very, cause it was very much that, right. Um, and so it's been really amazing to witness you like reclaiming your own narrative for yourself. 
as opposed to like people's perception of you and it's almost like because you were so accustomed in your work to be telling the stories of others um, whether that was youth or community leaders or whoever it was that you then gained your own superpower like is that kind of how it feels like for you because it definitely kind of looks like that from what I've witnessed Um, obviously I was not there for those really tumultuous years but I do want to dig into that uh, a little bit more because I do think that's what happens with a lot of people of color in America period right it is Mm -hmm. that loss in between two worlds I and we kind of joked about it earlier in the episode is that um, you know the I I, we've talked about them on this show as I crisis girls which means you are kind of living in between these worlds and so we all have to acknowledge um, one our relationship to whiteness and or white supremacy and the privileges that come with that but also like owning your identity for yourself and for no one else and that is really hard mm-hmm. for people to do mm-hmm. so even I, the influence oh, sorry no go ahead babe. Say, like all of the like I said a lot of things that I thought were accidental that led me to the career choices or my hobbies or my passions. Mm. Even back in high school, I started teaching myself HTML to customize my MySpace page, but also I had (laughs) what was like an online blog at the time before blogs. And the reason was because I didn't feel like I could relate to anybody or anyone could relate to me. And so I had this little online space. I actually had a web, I was like a cam girl, but with my clothes on and I would just like take selfies of myself to feel attractive um, because, because in my high school, I felt so ugly and so strange. And so then I found the internet and Mm. I created a website and I shared like my personal diary so it ended up being kind of natural in college to go into communications, to go into web design and then become an influencer, especially because there were a lot of prominent Asian American bloggers at the time. So I had like a model, um, but all of that really came from that loneliness and feeling like the computer was the only place where I could connect mm. with people. Wow. That is such a real experience, I think, for um, these more recent generations, right? Is that like, I even tell folks, I remember feeling so afraid to go outside sometimes because we watched so many, like, um, I remember being shown a lot of those videos of, like, kids being snatched when I was a kid, like, even in school. And I remember being like, I'm kind of afraid to go outside by myself because I don't know what's going to happen. And I obviously did. I was still a child, but it was like, we found comfort in the internet, like, 100%. So what you're saying is, a story I think that rings true to so many of us because it allowed us to create whatever identity we wanted to. Right. And in some cases it wasn't the best case, you know, the best scenario, but it was, it allowed us to feel free. And I think that is um, something beautiful that we don't always talk about because it's usually we're living in now we're just so alive via the internet that I don't even think we slow down to think about um, what impact it's had on our lives. Hmm. So then when did you first pick up a camera? Because that is what I most knew you for originally was, you know, the work you were doing um, behind the lens. So, I mean, I, I was, I've always loved photography. So my parents, you know, we had like the little disposable cameras and everything. And I liked capturing stories. But I, my grandpa on my mom's side was addicted to the home shopping network. And he would oh, wow. like, stay up all night and order whatever gadget just for the heck of it. And he ordered a digital camera before digital cameras were like widely used in 
or sold in regular stores. It was like the mm-hmm. new thing on Home Shopping Network. Nice. So he bought the camera and he was like, I don't know what to do with this. And he gave it to me. And so wow. I started taking, I was the the historian and the, the, the documentarian fam. of my family, of my my high school friends, you know, when everybody else right. was still using film, I could upload it right to our choir yeah. website and it was a big deal. Yeah, that is a big deal. Live journal posts and stuff. I and so I I did that. And then I was also in newspaper. So I was mm. the copy editor and the design editor of my middle school paper. And of course we took photojournalism. We had to take the pictures and then put the rolls of film in an envelope in the in the classroom to get developed. But I wow. loved photography back then as well so I re-picked it up for like professional purposes it was after college I I did a little bit in college but it was when I got into blogging and I was realizing that a lot of bloggers you know they have the Instagram husbands who don't know how to take photos that are that is a thing now (laughs) yeah so you know guys the husbands would you know they they just wanted to take a picture and be done with it or they would take like a (laughs) terrible angle or they wouldn't so I was like let me get my camera out and I'll take pictures of my friends and give my camera to them and they'll take pictures of me so I started shooting other bloggers and then that's actually what led me to getting my job at reward style where I worked with bloggers so it was more out of necessity and and seeing a seeing a void and then it evolved into nonprofit world fascinating see I didn't know that part because I met you in the nonprofit world so I was like wow she must just be on this journey like the rest of us um I did want to go backward just a hair because you did mention growing up in South Lake and I don't think we talk much about South Lake on this podcast but I think we do talk about white supremacy in Texas and South Lake is the model image of it um it has been on the news uh beyond locally right it's been on the national news multiple times for their intense um, racism, right? And so I, I can't imagine what your experience was like. Um, if a lot of us were having an identity crisis, even in um, Oak Cliff or Grand Prairie or these like more diverse areas, I cannot imagine what it was like um, being in such a white utopia because it is very much that. I know I my experience really um, felt, I guess I felt whiteness more than ever when I was in high school and I was in AP classes. Um, and I cannot imagine how you experienced that your whole life. Um, so I don't know if you want to speak to that a little bit. Yeah, there was a lot of, I think the the type of racism that I experienced in South Lake was more internalized racism. Mm. There were a few instances of overt racism being called to chink, being told, go, go back mm. to China. I had a theater teacher that referred to me as yellow, like that was his nickname for me also told me that I needed to wear fake eyelashes on stage so my eyes wouldn't look closed. So there were a few examples of that. And you're just gradually taking it because we're used to it. Yeah, we're used to it. I laughed because I was like, Mm. oh, well, he cast me in this role. Like, he likes me. I should be grateful. It's okay. I should be grateful. Mm. Um, But the thing about South Lake is it's not only white. It is very privileged. It is filled with wealthy families with access to designer clothing Mm -hmm. um you know plastic surgery at young ages all of the things that you know teenagers would dream of and so and it's known for being a football 
uh, school. So the football team was glorified. So of course, then the cheerleaders are glorified. And so I just spent a lot of time feeling very ugly. I I put Mm. highlights in my hair. I tried not to be Asian so I could fit in, but clearly like it's can't, can't hide that. Um, So it was really taking those beauty standards, internalizing them as like, I am, I don't fit in. I can't talk to my family about it because again, being adopted is another expectation to be grateful and to be happy. Um, Mm -hmm. I didn't want my parents to feel guilty. um, So I didn't tell them about the racist experiences I was having. And then because I was in theater and choir, we're always happy and smiling on stage. And, you know, I was pretty successful academically. Yeah. So I was performing like Mm. I was supposed to, and I had nowhere to express the sadness or the, um, the darker side of things. So I actually, trigger warning, had kind of resorted to self-mutilation mm-hmm. um, later, junior high, um, going to high school. And so I, and then I, you know, I was friends and in circles with people who talked disparagingly about other communities because they were taught that way. Or and that they was the norm. Differently. And it right. was the norm. So all these messages and then internally the things that all young women struggle with um, combined. And so now, um, you know, as I went, as I, when I got out of the bubble, as they call South Lake, and got mm-hmm. involved in Asian American activism and working with other communities of color, I did try to speak out um, long before the podcast came out and all of these other things were happening during the Obama administration they um, they were actually in the news back in that time because the school district wouldn't let teachers show Obama's address to students during the school day. He was making this big oh, wow. presidential address to all students and this and was in children. high school still. So no, this was after I had left and I was finding okay. out about it. So okay, I wrote a letter to the editor of the local paper and I talked about how like what a life changing experience it would have been to have a president like Barack Obama speaking to my classmates um, about diversity and inclusion. And perhaps then I wouldn't have been called a chink in my, you know, Mm. computer lab class or all of these other things. And I wrote that and I was hoping, you know, people will wake up to the racism that is happening there. And unfortunately my mom was a librarian in the district and Mm. she started getting emails from parents, other teachers, like, is this your daughter? Question mark, question mark. And it caused a rift with us because she was like, I wish you would have told me you were writing this because I work in the district and now I'm in a very uncomfortable place. So I stopped talking about South Lake and I put it in my rear view mirror because and that I was, that was when I'm sorry. That was when I was in, I was in college. Okay. Past and that college. was, was I was you... past college. Yeah. Okay. So and it was like 2009. Point you had been like reinvigorated by, you know, working with communities of color yeah. by then working and, and being alongside other Asian folks. And then you were like, no, this is basic science. Yeah. We should be able to stream, not stream this, but view this. And, and mm-hmm. it was a big disturbance just to ask yeah. for that. For parents to have to take their kids out of school and ex- like have an excused absence to, because they didn't want to show a president of color, a black man on the wow. TV screens. And you know, so for a while, I just ignored South Lake, and I was like, I'm not going to think about that place again. I'll just go to visit my parents. And then my mom finally retired, right? It was right before the, the year before the pandemic, thank goodness. And mm. that's when, you know, 
shit really hit the fan in South Lake. Uh, there were a couple videos surfaced with the N-word being used. They created a diversity council to make this cultural competency action plan, like very bare minimum diversity and equity stuff, not anything like super controversial, but right. it became the firestorm that it is now. Um, right. And I would say that South Lake was probably one of the earliest examples of school boards like being completely politicized um, by by the right wing. For sure. It, it feels, and I mentioned it again earlier, I think in the juice, but it feels like a lot of the stuff that's happening in Texas then becomes nationwide very quickly. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. We don't think people are realizing that and they kind of, you know, have made fun of us, but it's like states like ours are the most immediately affected, but this is not mm-hmm. limited to us um, because we're yeah. a conservative state. This is happening first to us. And then it's happening throughout the nation and or world, right? Um, and it becomes, it was a playbook. Like South Lake, the pack that came into South Lake with all of this national money that they poured into the school board elections, you know, the school board people, the, can, the candidates who then were elected were at the time like traveling and doing panels and saying, learn from what we did. They had, you know, email newsletters with specific instructions on what phrases to use or what talking wow. points like it was uh it was a testing ground for what we're seeing now on a larger scale for sure and it's huge now right I never like the even the CRT stuff like mm-hmm. I cannot believe like I know it's happening I'm obviously working through it to some degree but I'm like all my work at our you know last nonprofit we worked at together my my work would have probably been done for <laughs> because it was it was a lot of you know teaching students um, about themselves and, and, and gaining yeah. context on those things they wanted to know about. And they were helping me build well, the programs um, themselves. Well, one of the, like, you know, they have all these documents on like words that see, like watch out for these words because it's just CRT in disguise. Social right. emotional learning is one of those words yeah, now. That was my entire like, career. <laughs> how? Yeah. How did we go so far? I mean, I know how, but Right. It is, it is terrifying though, because those are basic things that I think everybody should have for healing, right. Or just for mm-hmm. awareness, basic understanding of self and emotions. It's really yeah. not even um, what people are making it out to be. And yeah, that is very, ter- very terrifying to consider because um, it looks like it's working, you know, and mm-hmm. we're here just basically unpacking our trauma in this experience right and I appreciate you being brave enough to share you know what your experience has been um even in the harmful ways because I think a lot of times people are like wow that person's doing great they look amazing they did and it's like no like we're suffering right like we're suffering and a lot of people that that don't feel seen or loved or respected or heard um are harming themselves in some way or another and I I think if we're not being honest about that component then we're never going to heal from that and we're never going to fix it either, right? We have to shed lights on that part because a lot of people do ignore that and we are seeing, you know, a rise in suicide rates among people of color. Um, And it's all because these things are working actively against us. So Mm -hmm. I appreciate you sharing that. Um, I do want to pivot then because you, you, you know, you made it to the nonprofit world and you started doing amazing storytelling work in that um, arena and now more 
you have pivoted to then create your own. Is that correct? And I'd love to hear more about um, how that's going. And then if, if you have any specific like Asian history, maybe people don't realize in the DFW area, because Mm -hmm. I know even on this podcast myself, we do speak a lot to like the black and Latino experience. Um, But oftentimes, you know, in a city like Dallas, you know, you're not hearing as much from the AAPI community Mm -hmm. and, um, there's a there's a lot of people here. So that is the reason that I started the Asian American Historical Society. Here it is. Yeah. Um, it you spoke to it earlier, but I was so used to telling other people's stories and making mm. sure that other people's histories were being told. Um, I you know I I had a, a bout of time during my Public Voices Fellowship where I was writing and uh, writing op-eds and personal essays, but the the bulk of my career has been um, doing communications for other people and other mm-hmm. organizations. So at right. Dallas THT, I had the honor of working towards narrative change and the guiding principle of THT, as you know, is there must be a full and accurate recounting of history, both local mm-hmm. and national. Um, and at some point I realized that I had not been telling the story of my own Asian American community I myself, maybe that internalized racism, maybe just the, you know, the, I like the fear caught up of in the overrepresenting myself. Mm, um, I just didn't. And, you know, I, I had to, Jerry had to remind me when we were doing our Transformation Tuesdays, like, Stephanie, why don't you do one for Asian Americans? You know, it had to be externally. Um, okay, so fast forward to Women's History Month. Uh, I had given my notice at this Dallas recent year already this, okay. this year uh-huh. I had given my notice uh, and a lot of it was a result of what the Asian American community experienced the prior year, the rising mm. um, reports of anti-Asian hate, hate crimes, yeah. the shootings in Atlanta um, and having to be on a lot and be on panels and representing the community and looking up this history to educate myself on top of trying to educate the community. And it was, I felt very burned out because in communications and social media, you know, we can't turn it off because it's our job. Uh, It's 24 seven. Me triggered. (laughs) So like for my mental health and just knowing it was, you know, coming to a time where the grant cycle was over and there's new, you know, there's new direction. It was a good time for me to, transition out so I gave my resignation not knowing what I was going to do but I was like Mm. let me make sure that in my time that I have now I do show some of the history of my community so I was looking during women's history month to post a story about an Asian American woman in Dallas who had made history or made some historic contribution and it was so hard to find Mm. I had an Asian Texans book and in one paragraph in the Korean chapter, there was a mention of a woman named Dr. Suzanne Ahn. And they talked about her being a civil rights activist. So I Googled wow. and I found one you know, result, which was her obituary. And then I found another result from the Asian American Journalist Association who had named an award after her. So in her wow. obituary, I was reading about the work that she did. She was a neurosurgeon in Dallas. She was the youngest to be appointed to the Texas State like Medical Examiner's Board. And she was a civil rights activist for voting rights, for women, um, all all of the things. And she found out that she was was diagnosed with lung cancer, inoperable, and was given a year to live. 
when she found yeah. out that she was dying, she donated $100,000 to the Asian American Journalists Association to make sure that underrepresented stories continued to be told after her death. I, like wow. my mind was blown that as a Korean woman in Dallas in journalism, in civil rights work, I had never heard her name. Her name. And that there was, all, there was so few websites that posted about her, I could only find like a black and white picture. And so wow. I started thinking, you know, there, there's something here, but I wasn't sure. I, I kept thinking like at the time. Trying to figure it out. I was on the wait list for SMU's PhD in history program. And then I was uh, rejected. Oh, so geez. like I was, I was just feeling wow, a lot of imposter syndrome. Mm. <laughs> and um, okay. So then Dallas here, she had our event in Fort Worth and we brought Miss Opal Lee to speak about her advocacy yeah. in Juneteenth. And I was just sitting in there thinking, I wish that I could have hosted an event and interviewed Dr. Ahn, and she's Mm. no longer here. And I didn't get Mm. to meet her and hear her story in her words. So I texted Jerry the next day. I was up at like 3 a.m. like researching buying domains. And I texted Jerry. I'm like, I know what I'm going to do after I leave Dallas Asian American Historical Society. So fast forward we get our 501c3 status like things are rolling you need to teach I, me that is so fast and amazing how quickly so you made it happen 1023 easy form yeah. submitted it just prayed <laughs> i'll call you later <laughs> it was it was very nerve-wracking but everything worked out and i was doing some research just on the i wanted to make sure that i wasn't you know if there was there wasn't another asian american historical society that i was you know co-opting or mm-hmm. anything and right. i found an irs pdf in google books listing a bunch of nonprofit organizations and um they were like dead organizations and it was asian american oh, historical wow. society in dallas and it ended in 1993 i think so i wow. started like working with ho Jin Choi from dallas morning news to uncover nice. who those original founders were and it turns out that the founder was Dr. On. So then we, so then we started interviewing people that were friends with her that worked with her, you know, because I wanted to kill Stephanie. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> Just wait. I wanted to put the pieces together because you know I only had that one black and white photo. It was very pixelated but worked for Instagram. So we ended up mm-hmm. finding a past president of the Asian American Historical Society, Philip Shinoda, who is still living. Him and his wife were close friends with Dr. Suzanne, so went for an Mm -hmm. interview. And during the interview, his wife was like, you know, I don't know if you can do anything with this, but I have this binder and you're welcome to like take it and, you know, whatever you need. She had a whole binder dedicated to Dr. Ahn's life. Oh my newspaper. Newspaper clippings, emails, letters from wow. friends and programs, VHS tapes that I digitized that have interviews between um, Dr. Sh- uh, Dr. Shinoda, Philip, mm. the past president, and her, and like the year before she died. So she knew she was dying, and these were the final wow. words that she wanted to leave with the world. And nobody has seen them because they've just been sitting in somebody's house. 
But you know what that speaks to also, because this is such a beautiful, powerful story, is kind of what we just said. And I think it's a testimony to your life and your legacy as well, which is the power of the internet, right? And the power of Mm -hmm. like this modern ability to then archive, digitize and save forever. And then not only do that, but through social media, through storytelling, then the whole world gets to know about it, right? Yeah. So imagine how beautiful and and how how thrilled Dr. Suzanne is now that you've kind of revived her entire narrative um, and almost as like a younger protege of her, right? And and so it's the layers are are incredible. You're that's ex- you know the when I was searching the sorry I'm, I'm so excited my glasses are fogging no up. you're good so that's the thing like on Google there was very little but then when I look in the Dallas Public Library Dallas Morning News archives there's you know 40 articles about her but that's not publicly indexed information mm-hmm. you know that right. was before social media before you know I have VHS tapes instead of YouTube and the other thing that she gave me was a printed out document. And she was like, mm. I think, I don't know what this is at, like stories. It was her stories that she started writing when she found out she was passing, d- passing mm-hmm. chapters of her work, her life. And in her sort of final chapter, she talks about how she's afraid that when she dies, Asian Americans are going to go back to sleep. And Ooh, so I feel shoot. like, you know, that with everything that happened last year, you know, the, the fear of Asian Americans not standing up and not mm. using their voice. Um, so anyway, I, I get very, I get very emotional. So it, it is very emotional, but I, I do think if anything, it's speaking to like how everything does happen, how it needs to happen. Right. And like, that like what a divine timing circle full moment all the things all the powerful mystic words and that's just one story right and that's one figure one figure right and 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 you know I will always give praise to the people that story tell because whether it's through Mm -hmm. words or um, imagery or video um, or interviews or whatever it might be right I think especially and I I want to um even take a moment of silence for a Palestinian journalist who was just murdered, right? And I don't say that to, to make it um, depressing because I didn't put that in the juice for a reason, but I think it's very telling that the truth tellers often face so many of these um, crimes and uh, even they pass very young. And, you know, the body takes, takes you know, hold of all the stress and everything we capture and so I just think it's really amazing that this is how it's fallen into your lap in a way for then mm-hmm. hopefully you feel a lot more connected and, and reclamation of your identity and your story and your culture um, and everything that you kind of missed out on um, due to mm-hmm. the circumstances of your life. Yeah. Wow. Well, I am very, very excited for this new chapter in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely want to ask then if you have a piece of advice for someone who's struggling to find their voice and, um, and, or share their work publicly. So I'm going to, I'm going to quote advice that changed my perceptive perception of storytelling and the, Mm. the urgency around it. And I learned it from the op-ed project. They're the nonprofit organization that did the public voices fellowship that I was a part of. 
And the founder's quote is, um, if you say something of consequence, there may be consequences. The alternative is to be inconsequential. So mm. I think about that. And it's something that I share, especially with young people who are struggling to use their voice and have a lot of, you know, considerations and risks in sharing their story. Um, but it's weighing the risk of what might happen if I share my story right. with what will happen if I don't share my story and who is out there waiting right now for their life to be changed by hearing this story. And right. what is what is at stake for them if they never hear my voice, if they don't know that I experienced something similar to them. Um, so yes, there are consequences when you say things that are heavy and that are controversial or that are mm -hmm. unpopular. But at the same time, there's one person at least out there in the world who this could really be the game changer for. And right. for me, the why I do what I do, I say it's because it matters to someone and, mm -hmm. and it knowing does. your why. <laughs> it does. It absolutely does. I, I wish we had more time because I, I always, and I think you've, I, I assume you know through my work I often like to talk about the different um, cross-cultural relationships and so um, I would have loved if we have more time but I oh have to gosh. start wrapping um, to no. discuss just the, the the relationship with the Asian community and the Black community and the Latino community yeah. in a place here like Dallas because um, I do yeah. think there's obviously a lot of um, you know I think hostility towards one another sometimes yeah um, because we just are ignorant, right? Or we don't know. And, and it does become violent often than not. And then there's the stereotypes that we all grow up with and are trying to like fight or break free of um, while we're trying to reclaim our own identities. So I don't know if you have anything to add briefly on that. Yeah, one briefly, one piece of really interesting history that I learned in the past year was that um, border control, border patrol as we know mm -hmm. it, mm -hmm originated because they were trying to keep Chinese immigrants from coming mm. from Mexico to Texas. Wow. It was, you know, men on horseback watching for Chinese immigrants trying to come into Texas that wow. basically got funded by the government and became what we know as, you know, <laughs> everything today. And so right. Asian Americans don't know that story. Um, right. I know Latinos don't. don't know yeah, I'm like, story. I know. Um, and so I am, I'm grateful friend that you came on and shared your story. And I hope that you, um, understand the level of power you have. And I, you're so funny. Cause you're always like, I'm an introvert. And I'm like, but you have so much to say <laughs> and so many introverts do. So I always have love for my introverts. I work with many who are also a part of the show, no names being called, but <laughs> I do think there's so much power to that. Right. Is because mm -hmm. whether you talk a lot like me or you like to listen more, or all your thoughts are in your head, that doesn't mean that your story doesn't have just as much power. And I hope that you remember that always, because um, there are so many beautiful layers to who Stephanie Drinka is, and I'm so excited for what comes next for you. 
Um, we do have a little baby game. It's very impromptu um, as we wrap up the interview. And then, of course, you can share with us um, where we can find and follow your work. Um, but this is just our rapid fire little game exclusive to Patreon. <laughs> it's very silly, um, but we like to, you know, end on a light note. Well, listen, that is our rapid fire game. Is there anything else you want to share and or where can we find and support your work? Lovely Stephanie Drinka. I have so much to share in no time. So please <laughs> follow at Dallas Asian History for the Asian American Historical Society. And then my personal one is my name at Stephanie Drinka. So I'm Yay. very not creative when it comes to my own branding. Listen, oh, same. I feel that way all the time. I'm like, why did I just go with my literal name? I should have done something else. <laughs> it's all right. We're still here. Thank you so much, Stephanie. You're amazing. And you're welcome back Thank anytime. You, we love you. And we can't wait to see what you do next. Let's get coffee so we can talk more. Yeah. <laughs> friend. And you need to teach me how to do the pole dancing, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> All right. See you later. Thank you so much to Stephanie Drinka for joining us today. We're so happy we could finally make this happen and hear your story. And it certainly feels like divine timing as it landed in Asian American and Pacific Islander month. Uh, I appreciate you spreading the word and trust we all can be more in community with one another forever onward. That means it's time for some grinding. Wow, I meant grounding. I am tired, but maybe it's time for grinding too. Take that as you will. Um, we're going to have a breath and maybe our sweet Pat can join us here because it's time for self-care <laughs> Thank you, Pat. Everybody knows you got the mad pipes, bro. I'm the singer of the sisters, apparently. I'm just kidding. I would not say that about myself. I'm, I'm... No. If you want the title, take it, honey. No, um, I, I, I am it. curious, Pat, about your self-care recently because I know I've shared a lot of my personal stuff. Um, as of late so I was wondering what you can share with us about your self-care what I've been doing for self-care um I have actually been trying to go outside a bit more I've got my bike working so I try to go on bike rides and that kind of helps um and I I do try and go on hikes pretty regularly I'm going on one this weekend um, with some friends it's been kind of nice to have a a group of people like that we can all trust each other and like going on these long hikes because it's kind of like a challenge at times. Um, I haven't been going outside as much as I'd like or on hikes because there is a lot of wildfires, apparently, sadly, here in New Mexico at the moment. Um, but that's what I've been doing. And I also do meditations a lot regularly um, when I can, which I think we both do to help us with mental health or just like affirmations and things, um, especially like when things get kind of hard, I do try to do meditations to help me feel grounded and able to take on a very long week. Meditations help. I'm glad that you have that and you've discovered meditation because it is a very beautiful, powerful thing. Mm -hmm. I've kind of been off my meditation grind. I've actually that's probably why I didn't have a self-care tip this week because my self-care has been really poor as of late because we have way too much going on at once. And this zine is a lot of work on top of rebranding and all that. Um, so I definitely know that I need to be a lot more intentional with my self-care. But I do 
stretch every morning. That's good. And I try to do a self minute meditation. So I guess that kind of counts. Yeah, that's why I do the, I do the, usually there's morning ones that I find on the insight, insight timer. Shout out to them. They need a sponsor us because they've been like, we've been using them for years, but that's what I've been doing is like doing a little 10 minute one just to kind of help me reset for the day. Cause a lot of times I just don't want to get out from bed and I'm like, "Mm, let me get this meditation in real quick. Do you know what you just reminded me of that has nothing to do with self-care and is actually quite unfortunate? What? Is that apparently, like, some of the period tracker apps are, like, tracking us. And oh, yeah. Against us. Yeah, and a lot of people and are... also the face recognitions on Instagrams. Yeah. Like, who do we trust? What do we trust? We're too... We important. don't trust anyone. I know, but it sucks because I the apps help me because I don't remember my periods because they're not normal. Yeah same i use them too but i like just looked up the apps that they were apparently using and mine isn't in that list i think mine is oh well you're gonna have to find a new app uh it just it is very interesting even with what stephanie was sharing of like how much we depend on the internet and the ways it can be powerful and useful Mm -hmm. and the ways that it's harming us and we don't even know it because these companies are exploiting us yeah. And that is unfortunate. But this is self-care corner, and we're gonna jump to our next segment, which is not as sad. Our brown and black business of the week. Patty, do you know about this spa? Because this is a classic, a Dallas classic. Which one is it? The bank. It... What? Oh, wait, no, nope. It's not who I was thinking. Go. Who are you thinking? I just thought of Spa Castle, but I was like, I don't. Is that one Asian owned? That's the first one that came to mind. No, I actually don't know if that's a uh, if that is um Asian owned, but um oh my gosh. What is it? What's the what's Hold the on, this is confusing me now. I don't know if this <laughs> is what it's called. Oh my god, hold on. I'm panicking now. Oh my god, what is it called? Oh, this is what it's called. Found it. Sorry. Oh my god, that stressed me out. So this restaurant, they actually recently made a post their a not on their on their Instagram. Uh, it is a very delicious, classic, traditional Thai restaurant. The mom, the daughter, posted about how her mom started this business. If you've been in East Dallas and you like Thai food, you've had it. It is Bangkok City. It is Hell a yeah. delicious restaurant. I used to frequent it a little bit too much. Um, but it is super, super yummy. I love it. Um, I believe our, our producer just said that Spa Castle is Asian owned. Is that what oh. you just said, Jeremy? Um, so shout out to Spa Castle as well. I am a Spa Castle girl. I like that place. Um, and I think Jeremy also threw in another one, which is Vietnam, the restaurant. Oh that yeah, place I love is Vietnam. good as hell. I definitely ate there a lot as well when Their I Their me is fresh. That bread, so good. All these beautiful, delicious um, Asian spots, and uh, yeah, nothing but love for our Asian family. And we wanted to make sure to highlight those. I can probably highlight Asian business forever because that is my favorite. Say <laughs> yeah, it was like um, your second but- home. Yeah, <laughs> I definitely wanted to highlight that for our Brown Business of the Week. Uh, Patty, why don't you take us out of tire show with the final segment? <laughs> I don't know why I said it like that, but I did. Either, but I'm going to let you do that. 
Um, so um, outside of listening to Bad Bunny, I have been listening to more R and B. I've been I I've got Apple Music currently, and they've been what? recommending me some good stuff. Shout out to this trial run. Um, and they were uh, Spotify was a lot of phobics. So I had to step no, out. No, I wasn't. I don't mean that way. I mean Trader because you were on Title for a while. Um, I still on Title, but Apple Music's sound system sounds way better. Like you can tell the difference. I know that sounds very hipster of me, but I'm gonna say that out loud. I'm glad you're true. owning your true title at this point. Um, but yeah, they introduced me to Orion Sun, and I think they just did a colors video. Um, but they're from Atlanta, Georgia, and they have a lot of really great tracks that I like a lot. Um, Dirty Dancers, a really popular one that they did. And then I think they're on tour right now with Remy Wolf. So I know a lot of people like Remy Wolf. So make sure to check them out um, if you go to Remy Wolf's tour. Um, but yeah, that's who I've been listening to a lot. And um, I'm really excited for Kendrick's album, which will be dropping on Friday. And we will discuss in the next episode. We will because it's not out yet. But we have thoughts. We have feelings. I am curious because I do feel like a lot of I think I wish that men of color were more allies to femme folks and I don't feel like they are and mm -hmm. uh, I've said that for a while in rap mm -hmm. um, but I'm very curious what will come of this because it does feel already kind of um, obviously to his his truth which is a very masculine experience mm -hmm. um, but I do think to some degree if we are still only focusing on the masculine, not that he has to focus on that, but maybe addressing the toxicity of masculinity, especially after the last several years, something I would love for him to do. And I don't know um, if we will, but we'll find out. We'll see. Cause I do, I think that's why I like Keem so much. Cause Keem, you know, calls himself a feminist and is a lot more, I'm not, he's not a lot more aware, but I think maybe due to his age, he's a little bit more cognizant of mm -hmm. the repercussions of what patriarchy creates. Yeah. Um, I will, can I say one more person that I wanted to recommend that I keep forgetting to? Go for it. Dochi. Um, she was on the Isaiah Rashad album. I feel like we did Dochi before, did, did we Did I do not? it? Have I talked about her? I, I feel know. like we did. Okay, because like her latest, we, we her latest tracks, um, Crazy and Persuasion, are both really dope. And I think she's one of the next like big lyricists to come out in hip-hop for right sure um well i'm gonna quickly say i have been listening to yaritza y su esencia still i am a woman of pattern and i do not switch up my music that fast so i gotta be transparent there um i have been listening to a little more jacks hopped shout out oak cliff and yes. uh, the documentary um and then I sent Pat and Aaron this artist that I really enjoyed. Oh, good. I loved it. He played on my like Spotify, whatever. Mm -hmm. Discover Weekly or something. Yeah, and I'm very much like, I just like chill music to vibe to and work to nowadays because mm -hmm. I just have so much going on. Um, her name is May Simonis. Um, they are a Japanese artist, Japanese American artist from Boston. And it's very much an indie jazz pop feel. If you know who I am, jazz is kind of how I like to work. I'm very much into that. So um, she sings in both Japanese and English, and she intertwines them. And it is so, like, ugh, eargasm. I know that's a corny phrase to use, but it feels very that. So, I've been, like, um, listening to dissect or something. No, I'm just kidding. No, they use much bigger words than that. That was a cornball word. But that is okay. That is what I'm listening to. 
um, support all the amazing people that we've mentioned. And uh, that wraps it up for us here at the Colores Radio. So I'm going to give it to Pat to close us out because I want them to practice public speaking. Love you. Oh, great. That wraps it up for us here at the Colores Radio. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. Hope y'all are ready to celebrate our five-year anniversary like the community enjoys in that you can find at the Colores Co. Because hopefully we will be launching the pre-order. Um, and we are relaunching our website, so go check that out. Major thanks to our dear friends Justin Favela and Stephanie Drinka for joining, stopping by and um, sharing their brilliance with us today. Um, go support their work. Um, check out the Asian American Historical Society. Um, special thank you to all our squirrel friends, homies, and ride or dies on Patreon. Remember, you too can become a financial supporter of the Decolores Radio family today and get now early access it. to exclusive content at patreon.com forward slash Decolores Co. We truly cannot go on without your support. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a darn review. We'd love to keep growing. So if something resonated with you in this episode or you just um, enjoy our work, please share with everyone you know. Post it on Instagram. Tweet us. Share the memes. Whatever you feel like. a lot of work, like. isn't it? Follow, isn't it, follow isn't us it at a lot of work? You tired yet? <laughs> no, I'm not out of breath yet. I'm going. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> you can follow us and check us out at Decolores Co. Um, if you enjoy our personal thoughts, you can follow Eva at er- Eva Aragin. Myself at Pat.Aragin. Um, our, our theme song is Cumbia Anthem by El Dusty. Her audio editor is the Jeremy Piscina. Hire him for all the things because he's amazing. We promise to keep growing and providing you with entertaining, entertaining content and more importantly, platform for your voices and work to be lifted. Thank you so much again for being with us and join us again next time for The Colores Radio. Bye! Go order a zine. Visit our new website, decolorisco.com. Love you. Bye. Bye.